We humble our hearts in a word of prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, we come this morning thankful for a beautiful fall day. Thankful for this weather that you've blessed us with that we could bring in harvest. 
We thank you for this privilege of gathering around your word. We thank you that this morning we can turn to you and seek your wisdom and your leading and your care and comfort. We ask that your spirit would be powerfully in our midst, that it would open this word to the speaker and open his lips and allow us as listeners to hear that message and that we would be given receptive hearts and attentive hearts to hear your word. We ask that you would bless this community that we've been able to gather here. Thank you for even these simple facilities that we can use. We ask that you would lead our nation, that you would put it in the hearts of those that you put in power to do according to your will, and that we could trust and know and be given that assurance that your ways are above our ways, and we can trust that you are in control. We ask that you would give us faith to walk, and that we could walk as lights, that others would be drawn. And we ask that you would put a hunger in hearts, that they would speak at Jesus. And we thank you for that knowledge and that salvation that you have provided for us, and that we can understand and trust in what Christ has done. We ask these things in Jesus' name, who's taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Someone have a song we can continue with?
nice to see everybody else this morning. And even as Shane has prayed for our little gathering and service this morning, I, I covered your prayers too, but I wouldn't be up here with my own ideas, my own understanding, but that would that which would be spoken would be portrayed from from the light of this word, not, not from human understandings. For our text this morning, we'll look at the fourth chapter of Hebrews, a very familiar text, and I have probably spoken on it before, or at least parts of it, but we'll go through that. Reading these words in Jesus' name, the fourth chapter of Hebrews. Let us therefore fear lest the promise being left of us, left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake of a certain place of the seventh day, he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this Excuse me, on this wise. And God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again he limiteth, limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them a rest, then would he, would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that enter, entered into his rest, he hath also ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the exa- same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched, with the feeling of our our infirmities, but was on all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. It starts off there. Let us... Therefore, fear lest a promise being left of us enter, entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. It's a it's a continuation of the third chapter, and I don't know how much of that I should read, but it's it's uh, quite a shall I say it's an eye opener. It it enlightens us to, as to what he's talking about. 
that fear not being a, uh, that we're scared, but, but that we pay, pay deep respect to, to these things, those, those things that come from above. I'll read, I'll read from the fifth verse of the third chapter. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken of after. But Christ is a son, as a son over his own house, whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me and saw my works forty years. Wherefore was Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. This is the first place it talks about, it uses that word rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you, in any of you, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. This, this provocation speaks of, the, speaks of the children of Israel provoking God, basically provoking God to wrath with, with their with their ways and the, all the things that they encountered and the ways they dealt with things. Not, not often according to God's will. God's, God's wrath came up in those instances. But exhort one another daily, while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened. I read that. Through, deceitfulness, through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell by the wilderness, fell in the wilderness? To whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest? But to, but to them that believed not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. People, people chose choose the way of unbelief over over the ways of God. We don't, with our with our nature being what it is, we, we don't tend to lean on God. We tend to lean on our own understandings and our own ways, and we we want to go in that. In that direction, that is, that is always against the, the word and the will of God, and that's where where it starts. This fourth chapter that I read. Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left of us entering into His rest, any of you should should seem to come short of it. We all have the the promise before us, and of course we know that the word would that we would. We would enter into that rest, and we will see down here a few verses what it what it's talking about with this rest. I was saying to Beth this morning that 
with with my carnal understanding, I I think that maybe I shouldn't put bad thoughts into people's hearts and minds, but I think that if God could create this earth simply by saying let it be, let it be done, He didn't have to work very hard in his six days of work. But we don't we don't understand God, and I, I will say that that that's probably a, a foolish way of thinking that I have. In, in coming up with a thought like that. But it says that God created this world in in six days and the seventh day he rested. And of course we we refer to that when we when we talk about taking taking one day of the week off and, and Sunday it is with us and and I guess I grew up with that thinking that we we have chores to do and, and certain things that have to be done every day, but we don't do field work and we don't do other things that working the cattle and, and other things that we might do Monday and Tuesday and all the rest of the week. But there are certain things that have to be done, certain chores. And and that's the way we were our our home was and we grew up with that instilled in us that way. I know not all, all people have that in their background, but it, it comes from this word. It, it doesn't come from any anything else that we would take a day off a week and, and spend that spend that time and maybe more quiet time and and go to church and sing and praise God and, and visit with friends and neighbors and relatives and, and have dinner with them and this, this is just the way it, it was with us in our home. Coming coming from this word. This this word speaks of a, a deeper rest than just taking the day off. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, I have sworn in my wrath that they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day, on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if if they shall enter into my rest. So so God has God has instituted this right from the very beginning. We know that this this Sabbath rest, this spiritual rest was was instituted even before God put Adam and Eve on the earth here, the way of salvation, the, the way of of walking a Christian walk. And the, way, and the way of salvation was was put in place before <clears throat> before man fell into sin. So we could we could say that's the very foundation, and and the building we might say that it's been has has been built and is still being built on that foundation is is when man was placed on earth and. Adam and Eve had it, and you and I have it. All the, all the trials and temptations and, and joys and all, all that, that life gives us is, is that building. All the, all the individuals who believe are part of that building. But because of, because of the, as, as it says that I read in the last part of the third chapter, that because of unbelief, people can't enter into that rest, and that that was for 
Adam and Eve's time, that was in Jesus' time, that's, that's in our time. That's for all time. So we would desire that we could enter into that rest. The rest of God. This, this world, we know that the great deceiver, as it talks about in, in Revelations, the devil, he would want to take his talons into us. And he would want to us, he would want to get us working feverishly for him. And we might, we might think of that as, as different things, but, but enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season is, is the way it puts about, it puts it in the, in the faith chapter that Moses chose to suffer affliction just in a few chapters down here with with his his own people, the children of Israel, rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. The devil would want us to to be enjoying the pleasures of this world. And, And as it says for a season, well, that's for a lifetime. That's until we close our eyes to this life. We would, he would want us to be enjoying the pleasures of, of this world for a season. We, we cannot enter into this rest of God, but we are working for the wrong cause if we go that way. Again, he limiteth, limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. We see that the children of Israel, and I'm not picking them out as being any worse than, than I am, but or, or any breed or nationality or anything, but but the, the scriptures talk about the, the children of Israel in the wilderness and how they provoked God. And and it's man's nature, it's it's man's way to do that. It says, Today if you will hear his voice Many places in the Bible, and, and especially in the, in the revelations to those seven churches, it says that, I think, I'm not sure if Shane mentioned it last Sunday, but he that hath an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Hear, hear what the Spirit says to you. So that when the Spirit is speaking to us, human nature is to resist it. And it says here, don't do that. It says, harden not your heart. If we resist the word of God, if we resist instruction and direction that this word will give us, and this word doesn't doesn't usually give us direction that, that we joy in. It it often, most of the time, it gives us gives us direction that we have a, a little hard time to digest and take in and and consider the instruction this word gives us. But it says, today after so long a time, as it is said, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. We would pray that God would give us ears to hear and eyes to see what he wants us to hear and see. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? He didn't give he didn't give them rest for 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 their we might say unruly ways and thinking, but he offers us a day of rest 
that he gives us. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. Not, not, not that we would rest and relax in the, in the pleasures of, of what this world has to offer, but what this word has to offer, what our living God has to offer. And it's not always an easy road. For he that is entered into his rest, he hath also ceased from his own works as God did from his. We know that it says in, in John there that the, the worlds were framed by the word of God. And then we also see that, that the, the, word, the word became flesh and dwelt among men. And we know that living word to be the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that I believe it even says that in the, in the faith chapter. But bear with me if I'm wrong. Eleventh chapter. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This this faith it's speaking about is is a gift God gives us when we are given faith to believe. For by it the elders obtained a good report, by faith. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen are not made of things which do appear. And I've said that to different individuals through the year, years. And I, and I have an interest in, in these kind of things. You can pick up a rock and and look at it and, and somehow in your mind conjure up some kind of a, an idea or image of how this thing was formed. And what the word tells me here is that you could be on with your ideas, but you could be totally off with your ideas. More likely, you'll be totally off. It says, so the things which were seen, which are seen, were made of things were not made of things that appear. So the things that we see and perceive we might be we might be wrong totally wrong with with our ideas that come up. Speaking about how this world was formed. He that, entered, he that is entered into his rest, he hath also ceased from his own works, as God did from his. God formed this world. He formed every rock and stone and tree and, and everything that's out there. And he rested from that. The seventh day. Let us labor, therefore, for to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after, this, after the same example of unbelief. So we should put our time and energies into somehow obtaining this rest that God has for us. Let us labor, therefore. You know, and I, and I mentioned earlier how when we when we live a life of unbelief, our, our boss is the devil. He's the one that directs our paths. And he might do it in subtle ways. He might, he might do it in ways that, that make life look pretty exciting. 
and pretty interesting and, and, and we can put all our energies into that. But the end is not good. I have, I have a I have a thought that that works with me, I'll say, and I and I, I don't know if I can portray it properly, but but if I remember a, a Christian brother who was over there by Red Deer, Paul Paul Deval, and he said that he he all his years he grew up and he had a dairy farm and he said going out there he realized later in the year in his years after this was all over that it was work. He had and he was a hard worker and he liked working and all that, but he said he realized that there was a difference between that dairy, which I don't hold it against him, but he, he found that to be work. And then when he when they when they quit the dairy and he was he was grain farming he said he found out that he just loved it. And it wasn't work anymore. He might have put in more hours. He might have been physically spent more. But he said it wasn't work anymore. He was so much enjoying what he was doing compared to out there milking cows. And maybe the other guy likes milking cows and he doesn't like the grain farming. But I, I, hope, I hope I can portray that, that if... If we truly enjoy what we're doing, it's not work. Here, says, here it says, let us labor therefore to enter into that rest. We don't do it as a physical work. We do it because of the word of God has changed our will. And the word, and the word of God, when, when man's will is changed, we don't, it, it's not a burden. It's not a heavy to get up in the morning and, and walk that walk. But it's a joy. Let us labor there. So we're laboring, but it's not a burden. It's, it's not like a you're packing a hundred pounds on your back all the time. Lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. It goes back to the children of Israel. And, and uh, their, their journey through the wilderness. Many many troublesome times they had. I was just reading how Moses went up into the mountain and and was there longer than they shot, thought he should be. So they have they have Aaron strip the people of all their gold and and jewelry and 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 the way Aaron puts it is is something that I find a little comical too. He says, "Out of the fire comes this golden calf." Well, there was there was more to it than that, but. They fell into unbelief. And we know how angry Moses was when he came back and found the people singing and dancing and rising up to play, as the word puts it. That's how unstable we are. That's how unstable they were. It's like it's like all the work that was done was almost in vain. Let us labor to enter into that rest. It's not hard work. It's a joy to enter into that rest. And then it and then it puts this 
I guess it's my, my favorite part of the whole text here. And I remember this from, you might hard, find it hard to believe, but probably three and four years old, I remember this verse being spoken of. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even unto the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not, not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Who is the one we have, we have to do with? We have to deal with. We have to deal with our living God. We have to deal with his Son and our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, who, who are one. We have to deal with the Holy Spirit, who is the third part of that Godhead. They are, they are all one. It says the word of God is quick and powerful. Do, do we have, maybe I should only speak to myself, but do we have ideas sometimes that I, maybe I could sneak in a little something here and there that, that God would miss it and I could enjoy it, some, something of this world? We can't do that. It says the word of God is quick. It's alive. And it's powerful. And it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's sharper than... It's, it's, it's sharper than something we can create and make into a, a tool like a knife. I always marvel at people that are gifted in the butchering industry. Our, our son-in-law Noah... When he, when he butchers something, his knives just flash, and, and all I do is probably cut my thumb or something. But this is just a physical knife or sword, as it's talking about a two-edged sword. The Word of God is more sharp than that. It's more adept than that. Someone wielding a knife. And it doesn't do the physical cutting, but it says here that it it divides soul and spirit. It goes in into inside of us, into our hearts and in our lives, dividing asunder soul and spirit. I, I believe it it's revealing, and it shows us these things we might not see otherwise. When we cling to this word, when we spend our time laboring to enter into that rest, we're going to be shown things. We're going to be given enlightenment. Dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow and and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. There's no knife on earth or sword that's sharp enough to divide or discern the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. But the word, the word of God does that. It can do that. That's, that's, what, that's what's in, what it's here for. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. I think of that John 3 there, when it when it explains to us and it's it's a, it's a continuation of that 
such a famous verse that I would almost say there's hardly any, hardly anybody on earth that hasn't heard the verse, but I'm sure there are. God so loved the world, he loved it that much, so much, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We perish without this word. And here it speaks of, of Jesus not coming into this world to condemn, but he comes into this world to save. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is condemnation, that light is come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. That's what happens when we come to the light. Our deeds are reproved. Here it says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened under the eyes of him with him with whom we have to do. We, we don't hide anything from him. But when we come to the light of God and we're made, uh, made aware that we're sinners, or made aware that maybe some specific sin we've fallen into or, or, or gone off track on, these things, these things are brought to the light by this word. This is condemnation. The light is coming to the world. And men love darkness rather than light because they're doing for evil. When we come under this condemnation, we can either provoke God or we can please Him. We provoke Him by going the other way. We please Him by going toward Him. Coming to the light. Here it says in the last verse of this that I'm reading in the third chapter. John, he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, <clears throat> that they are wrought in God. Excuse me. <clears throat> we come to the to the light that our deeds may be made manifest or known, that they are wrought in God. God deals with them. God has God has provided His Son Jesus from the very foundation of this world to take away sin. If we avail ourselves of that, then we have that. We have the forgiveness of sins. Seeing then that, that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. What is our profession? Not talking about I'm, a, I'm an executive or, or I'm a, a plumber or a farmer. That's not our profession. Our profession is that which we profess. That which our mouth professes. The Lord Jesus Christ. Let us hold fast our profession. Let's keep professing that name. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. 
it's hard to believe <coughs> that Jesus was tempted and is, has been tempted with all the things that I've been tempted with or you've been tempted with. It says he knows. We sing that song, he knows. The storms that would our way oppose and he tempers every wind that blows. It says we don't have this high priest. We think of a high priest as someone that's way up there and he won't understand me, he won't understand my problems, he won't understand my concerns. Jesus will. He is up there and he's high and mighty. And he is a living God. But he understands us. I like that song that says that how big is God? How big and wide is vast domain? To try to, to tell these lips can hardly start. He's big enough to rule his mighty universe. Yet small enough to live within my heart. I like that song. We don't have a high priest that, that cannot be touched. I believe that's in one of these chapters later. It says we don't come to that mount that burns with fire and smoke and we draw away from it in fear. But we come to Mount Zion. A good mountain and a comfortable mountain to be in and around. Mount Sinai represents the law and Mount Zion represents the gospel. And I'd like to, re- <coughs> like to uh, I've written this in the back of my Bible. What Luther says about the gospel. See, this divine promise of his grace and of the forgiveness of sins is properly called gospel. We hear this word gospel a lot. And of course, in general, I say it is the story of Jesus. Specifically, it's for me. Luther writes this, and and he says, And I say again and yet again that you should never understand gospel to mean anything but the divine divine promise of his grace and of the forgiveness of sin. That's the message of the gospel. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. This this, um, thought that the scriptures gives us is that is that we are kings and priests in the kingdom of God and that doesn't put us up in any kind of a high and mighty position. It gives us authority in the name of Jesus to pronounce to our brother or sister who is struggling or dealing with sin or dealing with trials and temptations. We can, in the name of Jesus, lay our hands on them and tell them these things have been looked after.
these sins have been forgiven. Jesus has died, suffered and died, and risen from the dead, and conquered all that is wrong for our sakes. That's why Jesus was sent into this world. I read that in, in John that God so loved the world that he sent his son into this world. It says, Let us come therefore, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace. We come to the throne of grace. We come to where Jesus is found, a brother or sister, believing brothers and sisters, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In Jesus' name, amen.
Let's proclaim that profession of faith in which we do believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who has been seen by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to church to the wicked and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life of the last. Amen. Let us pray with you for them who will now partake of the Lord's Holy Supper. Lord Jesus Christ, thou bread of life, grant that thy holy communion may be a blessing to all those who today shall partake of it, that through the power of thy body and blood they may receive peace and comfort to their souls, and be strengthened in faith, love, and lively hope of eternal life. Amen. Truly it is meet, bright, and blessed that we should at all times and in all places give thanks unto thee, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he break it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often you drink it in remembrance of me. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which is and which was and which is to come. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Let us all pray as our Lord Jesus Christ taught us, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we do those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Peace to the Lord be with you. Jesus, your body of our Lord Jesus Christ, broken for you. Jesus, your body of our Lord Jesus Christ, broken for you. 
body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ preserve your bodies and souls unto eternal life. Amen. Praise the Lord for his gracious gift of which you have partaken. Proclaim his suffering, his death, and his glorious resurrection until he cometh again. Arise and depart in the peace of the Lord. body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Preserve your bodies and souls unto eternal life. Amen. Praise the Lord for his gracious gift of which you have partaken, and proclaim his suffering, his death, and his glorious resurrection until he come again. Arise and depart in the peace of the Lord.
Yeah.